The Giants clearly had it on their agenda to sign a superstar player this offseason. It didn't work out, but are they going to get one next year? We'll talk about it next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and on this show, we provide episodes three days a week for now, but back to five next week, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And where we get started, we're going to jump into some more mailbag questions. The first one coming from Bay Area Fam, who says, Do you see the Giants filling the superstar void Next uh, this offseason or next offseason? If so, what options do we have? Show uh, okay. Uh, and then I've got my own notes here. I thought it was part of your question, but I guess these questions came in a little while ago. This offseason, the time has kind of run out. There's nobody else out there in free agency. And if they were to make a major trade, it doesn't really appear that there's some kind of superstar talent available via trade. And so it's not going to happen from the outside. I think there's a chance, you know, you could have, you know, the likes of Kyle Harrison from within their own system. That's a little much to ask to fill the superstar void. I think that's more like young, exciting talent void, but it would have to be next off season. And I see no reason why they're not going to at least try for some of these top guys. And so in terms of who are the options for next winter, unfortunately, it's not as deep, nearly as deep of a class when we're looking at some of the top talent. And so this was an important offseason for the Giants to go after these guys. And unfortunately, they came away empty handed. A lot of it, of course, having to do with just dumb luck with Carlos Correa, you know, an unexpected result of the physical. They had an agreement. It's just crazy that that happened. But and they also tried very hard for Judge and he ended up accepting the offer that the Giants made from you know, he took it to the Yankees and and he took it uh, and they offered it and he took it. And anyway, so who's available next winter? Well, the huge far and away headliner of next year's free agent class is Shohei Otani. And then beyond that, if we're talking about superstar void, I think the only other guy who really falls into that category would be Manny Machado. And he's not even a pure free agent. He's a He's under contract for five more years, but he has this opt-out after the 2023 season. And so if he has a typical Manny Machado year, it's uh, five years, $150 million that he'd be opting out of, and, and I would fully expect him to do so. So, I mean, yeah, Shohei Otani or Manny Machado is basically the only way that you can go if you're looking for superstar talent. And your question is, do I see the Giants filling it? Well, I'm not sure that I think either of those players would be particularly likely to go to the Giants. Shohei Otani has kind of indicated or reports have been, and we heard when he was first coming to the United States that he preferred, you know, West Coast teams. The Giants, as I've mentioned, were a finalist despite coming off a 98 loss season. 
in 2017 when he was, you know, in that offseason looking to find a new team. And so, you know, apparently a big part of why he ended up choosing the Angels was the designated hitter. And so he ultimately didn't want to come to a National League team where he'd have to play in the field in addition to, of course, trying to pitch. But now, of course, there's the DH in both leagues. And so I would definitely put the Giants into the mix when it comes to Otani. But as I've recently said, think about how they've shied away from long-term deals for pitchers. I know that Otani does both, but half of what he does is pitch. And so if you're talking about a you know, deal of 10, 11, 12 years long, then you're giving out, you know, we talk about how they're uncomfortable with five years for a starting pitcher, it seems. Uh, I just have my doubts about whether they're going to just give everything it takes to sign a guy who's ultimately... If he's not pitching, he's just a DH. And being just a DH, the value of Otani is that he has both. And I'm not sure that 12 years for a pitcher is ultimately what they want to do. And so Machado, I would be very happy with Manny Machado. And I don't I don't think he's some kind of, you know, second tier option. Manny Machado is a superstar in his own right. He is, you know, he's going to be like 31 years old, but so was Judge. And the Giants were prepared to give Judge nine years uh, $360 million. Anyway, the next question coming, actually, back up one second. There are other good players in free agency. They just wouldn't fill that superstar void. But Ian Happ, Reese Hoskins, who's local, I think, you know, circle these local guys, Teoscar Hernandez, and then some good starting pitchers, you Darvish, Sonny Gray, Aaron Nola, Max Scherzer has a one-year opt-out, and then Blake Snell. So deep in starters, kind of thin in, in position player impact talent. Next question coming from Finn, who says, what is the most significant reason why the Giants 2023 farm system ranking took a huge hit? And Finn, I have been talking about the farm system for the last several days. And so I can give you, if you listen to like yesterday's episode, it'll be more detailed. But basically the gist of it is these rankings are subjective and, uh, the single most important reason is that they had poor performance from some of their top guys, like Luis Matos maybe comes to mind most of all, in that he was a guy who shot up rankings and ended up in the top 30 or so for a lot of publications, or at least some. Uh, he completely fell off anybody's top 100 after the season that, that he had. But if you listen to Farhan Zaidi talk about Luis Matos specifically, they talk about how his he just seemingly had a lot of bad luck because his like batted ball data was still really strong. Like the expected numbers essentially were still really strong, but the results just weren't there for Matos. You also had Luciano missing a bunch of time with a low back strain, but a lot of good things happened. And I just, I just wouldn't, I think if you're living by just how do people rank the Giants farm system, it kind of misses the nuance. And you've also got like potential high impact guy like Kyle Harrison right on the cusp of the major leagues, which was kind of the main focus of yesterday's episode. So yes, it's not ideal. You'd like to be ranked number one all the time. And perception matters when it comes to like being able to make trades. But I don't think the Giants are really in a position where they should be trading from their farm system. So it's okay. I think that you just hope that the guys who had down years, like Matos, like, I don't know, on and on. There were a lot of guys, but you just hope they can rebound and then get back to where they were before when they were ranked much higher by publications. Next question coming from SF Giants Hangout. Asked an interesting one here. Who is going to be the Giants closer? Because of course they've got Camilo Doval, but they bring in a guy with a lot of closing experience in Taylor Rogers. So we'll answer that question 
in just a minute. But before we do, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Super Bowl party is FanDuel. It's the number one sportsbook in America, and we are really, really excited about this new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they're the number one sportsbook in America. It's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 this Sunday, of course, with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. Also, baseball. I've been looking at the rookie of the year odds. I've been super high on Kyle Harrison just as a rookie who's out there. And his odds, the latest I checked, were plus 4,500, and the top rookies were like plus 350. And so I don't think that makes any sense. I think it's an opportunity. So check out the FanDuel Sportsbook app, which is safe, secure, super easy to use. You get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, as promised, we are going to get to this question about who is the Giants' closer. Like, maybe there's some controversy here because they've got Doval, but then they signed Taylor Rogers, who has closing experience. Thanks for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day. Lockdown MLB prospects host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. So yes, Camilo Doval, to me, is still the Giants' closer. And I think actually Farhan Zaidi said as much, but it's a fair question. And I think it it was a good idea to me to bring in a guy who has done it in the past in Taylor Rogers. Like Taylor Rogers accomplishes a lot for the Giants with one move there and that there's the fun story that he's Tyler's twin. There's the fact that he's historically been a very good reliever. And there's the fact that he takes some pressure off of Doval in that a lot of times last year, it was like, well, if you don't have Doval available, who is going to close this game? And so it kind of led to them maybe using him a little bit more than they wanted to because they didn't feel like they had that fallback option. So I, I believe that we'll probably, if all goes according to plan, you would still see Taylor Rogers close out quite a few games just because it would be a planned day off for Doval. Or maybe, you know, the ninth inning is coming up. It's a one-run game. Maybe Taylor Rogers is having a good season. And you've got like Freddie Freeman due to lead off and and then maybe a righty, but then Muncie, another lefty after that. And so maybe two lefties coming up out of the three and they're good lefties and it's a close game. I could easily see them just going to Rogers just to to kind of get the platoon matchups, but also to spread around the workload. And so, yeah, it's Stovall, but expect Rogers to get his fair share of fair share of saves as well. Next question from K.M. McConnell, who says, with all the frustration being directed towards the Giants and their from their fan base, what level of success this year would it take to quell it? Can the Giants be that successful? It feels like there's a lack of the eternal hope that spring training usually provides this year. I don't know. Uh, I don't feel like this year's all that different from the last few years. If you're just I'm not saying you specifically, but if one is just spending a lot of time on Twitter, I think you're going to find a lot of negativity. Twitter is just, I've, I remember seeing like the Dodgers won their little 
strange World Series. And then I remember like looking at kind of comments on some other story later that offseason. And the fans were complaining about the lack of spending. Remember the Dodgers, before they ultimately traded for, I mean, Mookie Betts, maybe it was the previous offseason I'm thinking of, but you can have all kinds of success and there's still negativity online. And so I just think I wouldn't judge the whole fan base based on what is it like being on Twitter. And maybe you're not doing that, but that's, I mean, how else would we know what the sentiment is? I guess the reporters and whatnot, I don't know. I think people are just a little bit generally too negative about a lot of things, but also the Giants. I mean, people, I remember going into the 2020 season, we were talking about, not we, but I heard a lot of people saying this was like the worst Giants team they've ever seen. They ended up being surprisingly competitive. There certainly wasn't a lot of uh, sunshine and roses going into 2021. People were negative again, and they won 107 games. And then last year, people were negative again, and it, it, it was a disappointing season for sure. But what would it take to quell the frustration? I think that, I mean, first of all, you've got to make the playoffs. If you don't make the playoffs, there's no kind of calming people down but an important like a critically important thing is going to be they've got to start having some young homegrown impact talent and I think that that is a strong possibility this year in that we could see Kyle Harrison establish himself as a good starting pitcher and then suddenly you're looking at Logan Webb and Kyle Harrison at the front of your rotation two homegrown good starting pitchers there. And then also some position players like David VR, if he's able to carry over what he did in the month of September, you've got Casey Schmidt coming and finished the year in AAA and could establish himself this year. Their bullpen could have some other guys like Doval has been a huge success, but there's a couple other guys like Cole Waits and RJ Dabovich, who I think have a chance to establish themselves in that same way. And then suddenly you could have a really deep and like under team control bullpen And so there's a lot of things that could go right this year. But if you miss the playoffs, it's going to be hard to calm people down about that. But I mean, making the playoffs and then having, you know, winning at least a round, I think if you if you have guys like Harrison kind of break through, if you make the playoffs and you win at least one series, I think that would go a long way. But ultimately, even if you win the World Series, people are going to find things to complain about. I promise you, it just is the way that it goes on online sometimes not right away but then you know a few months into the offseason why did they let this guy go why didn't they sign this guy they still they're just resting on their laurels blah 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 you're always going to find that negativity anyway next question coming from second timeline who's who says do we expect kyle harrison to be called up this year any other potential impact rookies ramos or schmidt what should we expect from luciano is conforto 100 percent So I'm just going to go one by one. Do we expect Harrison to be called up this year? A hundred percent. Any other potential impact rookies, Ramos or Schmidt? Um, I'm not so high on Elliot Ramos. He had a very bad year in the minors. And so to trans, I mean, I'm hopeful for a rebound, but uh, it was such a rough year. I wouldn't expect kind of impact from Elliot Ramos. I hope so, but I don't, I wouldn't expect it. Schmidt, I think you could because Like, not that he reminds me of Matt Duffy, but I'm just remembering the season that Matt Duffy had when he had that breakout season with the Giants. He didn't hit all that much. He was a little bit above average, but he had such good third base defense that the whole package combined was a super valuable player. So Schmidt, he doesn't have to do all that much. If he can play elite third base defense and hit a little bit, then he's a super valuable player. And so I don't think it's that 
crazy to imagine that that could happen this year. And then also David Villar, I wouldn't sleep on him. And then these uh, relievers I've been mentioning, Dabovich and Cole Waits. And so that's mostly it. I would, I mean, in terms of the obvious guys, there's hopefuls like Von Brown, but you know, he barely played in double A and so he's got some work to do. And then hopefully Luciano and like Matos and Brown get close to the majors by the end of the year. Uh, what what should we expect from Luciano? Hopefully health and to start the season in double A and play a lot there and have success and be like on the doorstep of the majors by the end of the year. Is Conforto 100%? From what I've heard, yes, he is. Next question from the White Cran, who says, how much potential do you think the Giants farm system has to actually produce in the majors once the players are ready to be called up? And this gets to the crux of why I'm excited about the current state of the farm system, ironically, when it seems like people are particularly focused on being negative about the farm system, is that I believe the guys that they have who are coming and who are considered their top guys are actually somewhat likely to have that success because you never know if it's going to translate. But like I mentioned with Schmidt, if you have that floor of just elite defense, you don't have to even hit all that much. And yet he's got the potential to hit as well. And then with Harrison, I mean, the stuff is just so slam dunk, obvious, good that it's easy to project that he's going to have success. And with the relievers, it's kind of the same story. And then with VR, you've got he did it in September is basically what I'm trying to say. And so it's not crazy to imagine him perhaps being able to carry over some of that success. So yeah, that's where I am on that. The next question, who is the Giants backup shortstop? Also, uh, this is from Reza who says, who is the Giants backup shortstop? Also an ESPN article predicted that Kyle Harrison will be the Giants number two starter by August. Do I agree? So we'll get to that question in just a minute. But first, All right, as promised, we're going to answer this question. Who's a Giants backup shortstop? At this moment in time, it's Tyro Estrada, and they don't necessarily have much behind that. When I look through kind of the depth chart, I mean, it's it's not great, and that's why we discussed this yesterday, but Casey Schmidt playing uh, shortstop, apparently, according to Gabe Kapler, I think he just meant in spring training. They're going to give him some looks at short. I think that like in an emergency, you could definitely see a Casey Schmidt, like, like, let's say Crawford gets hurt and Tyro Estrada gets hurt. What do you do? If Schmidt is tearing it up in AAA and showed that he can handle short, I wouldn't be shocked if they just let Schmidt kind of come up and and get that opportunity. They've also got, you know, Donovan Walton is still in the mix. And he, you know, he's got good projections. And so he's not a guy I would totally give up on. I know he had difficulty, but I mean, both Steamer and Zips, Man, Zips has really good projections for Donovan Walton. This guy, I think he won a minor league gold glove at shortstop at some point. And he struggled with the Giants in the majors last year in 25 games. But I don't know. I just wouldn't quite give up on him. Both Steamer and Zips, two major projection systems, have him average offensively to above average offensively. And man, I mean, the Zips projection is two wins above replacement, 2.1 in just 92 games. And so suggesting a little bit above average offense and good defense at shortstop. He did not play well in any aspect with the Giants last year, but he's still in the mix. And so they've got some some options down there in the minor leagues. But uh, yeah, it's, it's not great. I think they could do with another kind of major league option who can play multiple positions, including shortstop. And 
Yeah, in terms of Kyle Harrison being the Giants' number two starter by August, I could definitely see it. I think that people asking, like, is he going to come up this year? The Farhan Zaidi has said he may even be up early in the year. And so there's no reason if he dominates in AAA, we're going to see him. And I definitely think he could be he could be the Giants' number one starter by next year. I'm That's my hot take. Because Logan Webb, it kind of reminds me of like Matt Cain and Tim Lincecum. Not that Webb and Cain are really similar as pitchers, but... Kane was never that like dominating type of pitcher and Webb in the same way. He's not like a dominating like strikeout kind of like Rodon was the dominant ace last year and Webb was like that really good number two starter. I could view I don't want to put this quite yet on Harrison, but he's got that like Lincecum kind of overpowering strikeout ability and Webb is more of like the really good number two. So, I mean, we'll see. Again, right now, Webb is by far the number one. Harrison has not proven himself at all at the major league level. But I wouldn't be shocked if, and it happened the same way, right? With Kane, he was up first for several years, and then Lincecum came around, and they kind of eventually flip-flopped in terms of who was the quote-unquote ace of that team. So lofty expectations, but that's the kind of promise that Harrison provides. Next question coming from Matt Kennings, who says, what's a realistic, if not likely, timeline for Marco Luciano at this point? And I think I already addressed it, but I think uh, he's going to start the year in double A, as far as I understand. And if he does well, you could see him promoted to triple A at some point during the season. I think they probably want him to get a lot of reps in double A, but it's not totally out of the question. Like if he dominates, you could possibly see him at some point in the major leagues, maybe as a September call up. But I think realistically, a lot of time in double A, maybe towards the end of the year gets up to triple A. And then going into next year, we'd view him as we view like a Kyle Harrison. And then he's like right on the doorstep. And then his timeline would be to debut hopefully early in 2024. Next question from, Healy, who says, what's getting fans out to the park this season? And I think it is Kyle Harrison. I mean, if he comes up and just has the kind of success that he could have, it could be a draw, much like Lincecum was a draw right away, right? That Lincecum just brought this excitement to the Giants and their fans that I don't remember exactly how much it was lacking at the time, but just right away, I mean, he became a fan favorite with the strikeout ability and and just the, I mean, he was unique in that he was like physically not big and yet he had this awesome stuff on the mound. But I don't know, winning Kyle uh, Kyle Harrison, some other young guys maybe, uh, and then maybe a breakout season or like a like a typical Michael Conforto season. I don't think any specific like current position player is necessarily getting fans out to the ballpark but just a combination of winning and some young players having real success would be the thing last question coming from adam who says this is year five of farhan is this roster a complete travesty no this is just like hyperbole to me i'm sorry but a complete travesty no i think at worst you're looking at a 500 team at best you're looking at a playoff team and so it's not a complete travesty. There's certainly rosters out there that project to be 90 plus loss rosters. I don't think that's what you're looking at here with the Giants. And, you know, a lot of the talk like that last year was just a complete and utter disaster. It could be a lot worse. And so 
Look, I get it. Expectations are high here as they should be. And that's how you want it. I don't want to be like A's fans. And it's like you go through stretches where you just expect to lose close to 100 games every year because that's just kind of how they operate. The Giants, the way they kind of it's not the roster is not a complete travesty at all i think they've got a good deep starting rotation their bullpen could be much improved there's young talent on the way despite all the pessimism about the farm system and their lineup while i mean conforto has had some star level seasons and so has hanniger at times but it there's no like obvious star in the lineup but there's also no obvious kind of major weaknesses in the lineup either it's a it's a solid group kind of top to bottom that's pretty deep and yeah, they needed more like they they needed a Carlos Correa. But if you're just one player away, like all it would kind of take is one player, maybe David VR having a breakout and then perhaps you're close to that level. So or and you've got other guys coming, like I keep saying, with the likes of Harrison and Schmidt and hopefully others. Anyway, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen today. Now make your second listen Locked on MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like the show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. Helps me out a lot, so thanks in advance, and thank you to everyone who's done so already. I can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. Thanks again for listening. You are now Locked on Giants.